This is the Infinite Spark of Being podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the mind. First off, I just want to say that this is only a way of considering the mind. Um, it's just my point of view. That's all. <laughs> just want to say that first off. Um, so, uh, first of all, let's start by understanding that the mind is happening. It's not happening to us, and it's not happening because of us. It's just happening. Um, it's nothing personal. It's just part of having a body. And it has a separate agenda than you. Uh, we see that in the fact that our minds often bring up things that we'd rather not look at. Uh, and that could be a bad memory or some other kind of thought that we'd rather not entertain. Uh, but they just happen. They just pop up. And they're always joined by a judgment that is fairly automatic and a physical feeling that arises as well. And again, we didn't do any of that. It just happened. And it always happens the same way. Uh, remember that moving forward. Um, that's going to come up again. So uh, what we experience in life, we experience through the mind. And this isn't to say that everything is simply in your head. But when it rains, for instance, my experience of the rain happens through my mind. The mind is kind of like a red camera filter, for example. The red filter filters out certain colors and makes the photo look red through the camera lens. And our mind has its own set of filters, and those filters are its six cognitive faculties. Uh, and those are judgment, perception, consciousness, language, memory, and thinking. And all of those are rooted in the subconscious mind, which is essentially our operating system. Um, I'll get more into, into that some other time. Um, so all of the data that we receive passes through those filters and we're not doing any of it. The response to the data kind of just pops up on its own. Um, all of these responses are in the subconscious and exist. They're just, they exist as neural pathways. So, um, the mind is happening. Uh, it has its own agenda and you're not doing any of it. You're not the one doing it. You don't do the thinking the mind does. Um, something else that we need to understand about the mind is that it's confused. <laughs> it's confused about what's real and what's not real. It believes that what it's thinking about is happening at that moment in time. So it mistakes memory or thought for an actual event. That's why when we remember something that's particularly painful or something traumatic, our bodies feel bad. Um, the mind is sending signals into the body because it believes that the memory is happening in time right now. Um, it's also why when we remember something good or something special, we feel good in the body. Um, so what the mind perceives, the body feels. That's kind of the formula. Uh, mind perceives blank, body feels blank. Um, if the mind perceives a threat, then the body feels threatened. If the mind perceives lack, then the body feels lack. If the mind perceives loss, then the body feels what it's like to lose something. Um, and this can work uh, for or against us, <laughs> obviously. Um, in another episode, uh, I'll get more into all of that as far as perception goes. But for now, let's just understand that the mind is naturally confused about what's real and in time at this moment and what's not. 
Um, so we start to see that this mind is a great tool, but can also be a real liability. See, uh, the mind and the body only want to survive and thrive. <laughs> these, these two knuckleheads think they're going to die all the time. And that's probably why our nervous system, uh, our nervous system is fucking ancient. Um, <laughs> and that's what emotions are about and why they tend to be so dramatic. Uh, when I dropped my phone in the driveway, that freaked out sense of, oh shit, uh, is the same feeling uh, that my ancestors had when a leopard wandered into the village. So it's kind of like, I like to think of it as our frontal lobe is a smartphone, our lower brain is a rotary phone, and the nervous system is like smoke signals and carrier pigeons. Uh, they just don't all link up well, right? Um, <laughs> so like new software. So it's kind of like, it's like new software that's running on an old operating system. So we feel our emotional states in the body because the mind is perceiving something and it needs the body to do something about it. And sometimes we're not conscious of what the mind or more accurately, the subconscious mind is perceiving at that time. Now, back to what I said a minute ago about the mind having a separate agenda than you. Um, that also goes for the body. The body has a separate agenda than you as well. And we can see this mind-body agenda really clearly with something like anxiety. Uh, the mind, uh, conscious or subconscious, is perceiving something and the body is responding. Um, anxiety is only anxiety because the body uh, feels something, right? That's why we say, you know, I'm feeling anxious. If I weren't feeling something, we would just be experiencing thoughts that didn't mean anything. But clearly, on some level, conscious or not, uh, they mean something, uh, at least to the mind. So um, as a self-inquiry exercise, let's try this. Uh, when your mind is racing, who is aware that the mind is racing? You are. You are aware that the mind is doing something. You are now conscious of the mind's activity. That's called metacognition, thinking about thinking. And becoming conscious of the mind or aware of the mind is the first step in understanding the nature of the mind. Um, if you were the mind, then you could just change it. You could just think differently or have different thoughts without any effort. You'd never remember or bring up that painful thing again, but that's not what happens. Uh, what happens is we begin to feel like a victim of our own mind, like we're beholden to this thing that we can't even see, and it's making our body feel bad. It's very frustrating to feel like a passenger in our own body, uh, and I encounter a lot of people that feel that way in my day-to-day -day work. So, um, To continue this exercise, let's. Uh, uh, when you experience sensations in the body, who is aware that sensation is occurring? you are. You are aware of sensations in the body. And that's where we begin learning to watch the body. Uh, we've all had the body do things that we'd rather it not. Well, if we were the body, we just stop feeling that way, but we can't. And that frustration is where a lot of unskillful action comes from. You know, we'll do anything to feel better sometimes. Uh, anything to ease the tension that we're experiencing in the body. Um, real quick, another self-inquiry exercise is this. Um, and you can really get deep with this one. Um, I have a hand. It's my hand, 
but it's not who I am. I have a foot. It's my foot, but it's not who I am. In fact, I'm as much my feet as I am my shoes. And you can see we can go on from there. We can, um, I have a mind. It's my mind, but it's not who I am. So uh, consider this. Back to this awareness thing um, is the piece of you that is aware that thinking is happening. Is that piece thinking? Or is it just aware? Is it just watching? Is the piece of you that is aware that the body is feeling, is that piece feeling anything? Or is it just aware of sensation? Um, what, I, what I think you'll find is that there's a split second of pure awareness uh, right before the mind steps in with a judgment. And again, notice that the judgment and thought just popped up without prompting and without doing anything. So all of this noticing and awareness begin to alter or change our consciousness. Now, when I say conscious or I talk about consciousness, I don't mean in the new age sense of consciousness or whatever. What I'm talking about is if you're rocking back and forth in a chair and you bump the wall behind you, you are now conscious of the fact that the wall is behind you. You will now change the way you rock back and forth in the chair. Uh, and that is a shift in your consciousness. Um, it's a shift in awareness. So becoming consciously aware that the mind is happening is a shift in consciousness in and of itself. So what we have here um, is a mind that, uh, that acts like a set of filters. Uh, these filters are programmed to our preferences and they give us our experiences. Um, it lets certain information in while keeping certain information out. It's, it's like a web browser or, a, or Instagram or Facebook. It shows us or pulls up the thoughts that we interact with the most. And uh, thoughts are kind of like, they're like clickbait, right? Uh, you keep clicking on these thoughts so you get more of these kinds of thoughts, right? I mean, that makes sense. At least it makes sense to me. That's how the subconscious mind creates our reality. It creates our reality through perception, through programmed preferences that we didn't necessarily pick. Um, but, you know, it's going to keep doing those things because we keep clicking them. But the initial thought or the initial belief or whatever or inclination or lean to something, we don't necessarily pick those. Um, an example of this clickbait idea would be, uh, let's say you're driving down the street, uh, you're seeing a lot of different cars, but when you see one particular car, it reminds you of your ex. So the mind goes, blue car, my ex had a blue car, damn, I miss my ex, fuck, the only person that would put up with me left, uh, shit, I'll probably die alone, and it goes on from there. So think of it like this, blue car, click. My ex had a blue car. Click. The only person that would put up with me left. Click. I'll probably die alone. Click. And while you're on this train of thought, your body starts to tighten. Your body starts to feel bad. Um, you experience all of the physiological symptoms that go along with this train of thought. So sadness, anxiety, jealousy, and who knows what else. So once the mind uh, 
perceives and sends the signal to the body so that it feels, the mind then starts to read the body's feeling as a threat and ramps it up even more. So again, the mind is confused. All of the ruminations that are associated with these thoughts um, about the X, it believes are real. So it believes a thought like, um, I'm going to die alone. It believes that you're really going to die alone. So signal, right? This is all evolutionary psychological stuff. I'm going to die alone has a deep evolutionary significance, and we can, we can all understand why that would <laughs> be important to us. Um, another thing to consider while we're watching the mind, uh, while we're watching it do all of this stuff, is something called, and I just wanted to throw, look, I don't just throw anything out there. Clearly, I put it out there, and then I rattle on about it, but... Um, something I want you to think about is something called negativity effect or negativity bias. Um, and it's this weird phenomena. It's not weird, but it's a phenomena in humans or in the mind of a human that says that it says negative information will always outweigh positive or neutral information. And that makes sense. Um, from an evolutionary standpoint, we need to be very concerned and obsessed with negative information because it kept us alive, Right. Uh, remember, the mind and body only want to survive and, and thrive. So it's not that you're this negative person. It's just that you have a very old nervous system that believes death is imminent all the time. <laughs> so we're seeing the confusion of the mind and its uh, faithful sidekick, the body. And we're seeing that we aren't doing any of it. Uh, we're not asking for any of these things. We're also starting to see that we are not the mind or the body. So if we're not the mind and the body, what are we? Well, who's asking? Or what's asking, right? The ego. The ego is asking. The ego needs to be something. It needs the perception of stability or a grounding point. Um, so since that's what our old friend, the ego, needs, let's tell the ego that it is awareness or soul. Um, why does the ego need this? Uh, because it too is concerned with surviving and thriving and making more bodies. Um, and I know that the hot new thing is to eat a bunch of mushrooms and have an ego death, but you don't get rid of it. It's part of the mind. Um, we'll get more into, into that when we get into karma. So let's look at the ego for a second. Um, and you know what my seconds are like, but, uh, the ego is personal importance, personal identity, and reality testing. Reality testing simply means that when you pinch the arm of the chair that you're sitting in, you don't feel it because you're not the chair, or at least your mind and body don't believe that you're the chair. Um, personal importance and personal identity really play a big part in our evolutionary psychology. When we lived in small communities or in small tribes, our identity was probably our job or what we brought to the tribe as far as goods and services go. So it was very important that we had that identity because it kept us safe to some extent, right? If we didn't have a use, then we weren't valuable to others, right? I mean, and if we weren't valuable, I mean, that's kind of like death, right? Um, so the ego isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, it's just a function of having a body. I mean, for my money, I think the real problem is the self-concept. Um, and just 
a concept is an invention to help sell or publicize a commodity. And what we're trying to sell, the commodity anyway, is us. Uh, and the self-concept is who we believe we are based on the responses we got from others. So you can see where that would be a dangerous, problematic thing. If you were told a certain story about who you were, good, bad, or indifferent, it would play a part in how the mind puts you or the identity into context um, as far as the rest of the world is concerned, right? So if you, if you see yourself, um, well, okay. So it's really how you see yourself, um, how you see the world and your part in that world. Right. Which, you know, if you're fed corrupt information, you know, so, so let's recap, uh, the, um, the mind is happening and it's confused about what's happening. The mind's never present. Um, that's not its job. Its job is to constantly be comparing the past to the present in order to decide what's going to be safe, pleasurable, or dangerous. And while it's doing that, it's sending signals into the body to get the body to do something about what it believes is happening. Um, awareness is present, right? The mind isn't present. So this is the confusion of the mind. And again, it's not you. It's not who you are. You're the one watching. You're the one noticing. You're the one that is aware that the mind and body are doing something. That's you. So the mind uh, seems to be a bunch of preferences, right? Judgment, perception, consciousness, language, memory, and thinking. It's preferences. Um, a bunch of opinions. Well, where did they come from? If the mind is only pulling up thoughts that it interacts with the most, then where did those thoughts come from? Why is the mind doing all of this? Well, uh, we could say that it's karma. And when we begin to see the mind as karma, we begin to look at the subconscious mind as the source of all of it. Um, remember, the subconscious mind is our operating system. It stores our preferences, our beliefs, our memories, all of the stuff that creates our preferences and opinions. Um, we actually... Uh, we actually believe that we're making all of these decisions about our beliefs, but we're not. Not initially, anyway. Uh, remember, we're seeing the world through those six cognitive faculties. So when we have an experience, we're not experiencing it free of bias and distortion. We're experiencing our pre-programmed preferences. Um, and this is wild to think about because it starts to call into question free will and whether or not it's assumed, acquired, or even a possibility. And that is terrifying to the ego. Um, you might even feel tight yourself when you think about that, right? Because that's the ego going, no, 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 no. Um, and at this point, you know, for me personally, I have no idea. <laughs> I can't figure it out. So I just act as if it's real. I mean, you know, what else can you do, right? Act as if you have free will. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I'm going to do, uh, do two different podcasts, uh, one on meditation and one on karma, but we can't really talk about the mind without getting into those two things. So if the mind is the karma of the soul, the work that it's doing here, then, then what's needed is a space between stimulus and response in order to clear or change the karma. Uh, Viktor Frankl, the Austrian psychologist, author, and essentially philosopher, 
said, and I might be butchering this, um, between stimulus and response, there is a space, and in that space lies our growth and our freedom. All of our pre-programmed preferences and opinions are neural pathways. So by clicking on that thought over and over again, it strengthens that neural pathway. That's why we keep doing and thinking the same things over and over again. So if you look at that in terms of karma, you can see how it becomes habitual. You can see how unskillful action and unskillful thought can become habitual. Uh, Doing the same things over and over again creates more of the same thing or the same experiences over and over again. And this is where meditation comes in. Uh, because meditation is the practice of creating space between stimulus and response. But in order to do that, we've got to learn how to calmly abide with the mind as it is, which is the meditation practice of shamatha. Um, so if we think about, and when I do the meditation podcast, we'll be talking about shamatha. So if we think of it, uh, so if we think of it as stimulus, uh, think of it this way, right? Uh, stimulus, thought, judgment, action, then we need to learn to create space between judgment and action, right? Because if that action is going to create more problems or whatever, then, you know, karma isn't always bad, but, you know, we kind of tend to think of it in those ways. But yeah, so stimulus, uh, thought, judgment, action, we want a space between judgment and action. So uh, this is just a rundown of what the mind is. Um, I know it's a lot. I'm not really good at telling people what time it is, but I am really good at telling them how to build a clock. (laughs) It's something one of my bosses said to me one time when he asked me a really simple question, and I just started rattling off this response. And uh, he kind of hunches over at his desk and starts rubbing his eyes with the heels of his hands. And he goes, fuck, Keith, I just want to know what time it is. I don't need to know how to build a fucking clock. So (laughs) it's a pattern for me. Um, Like I said, the next two episodes uh, will be on meditation and karma, probably karma before meditation, since the meditation will help clear the karma. Um, If you have anything that you would like to talk about, feel free to send me a direct message or an email. Um, If you have any questions, again, feel free to message me or email me. Even if you have a gripe, a complaint, or an argument, um, if I'm not being clear, then I need to find another way to say this stuff. It's not your job to figure out what I'm saying. It's my job to figure out how to say it better, right? Um, Also, visit the website uh, for the books, apparel, um, the Patreon's there too. If you want to donate $1 or $5 a month, um, it would be appreciated. (laughs) Also, follow the Infinite Spark of Being on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram. Um, So, you know, uh, we've known each other forever. We're old friends, so feel free to reach out. Don't make it weird. Bye.